On today's show, an early look at the 2024 NHL Draft and host of Locked On Sharks, J.D. Young hops on to discuss Tristan Robbins, William Eklund, and many more. All coming up on Locked On NHL Prospects. You are Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this podcast, I break down everything prospects related for you five days a week, Monday to Friday. I'm Hattie Kalakesh. I'm a scout and prospect analyst across multiple platforms, including this one. We've got a great show for you today. First and foremost, we'll be taking a very, very early look at the 2024 NHL draft class. Um, I'm going to be breaking down the top five of that class with uh, five honorable mentions as well. Um, it's early on, but I, that, this class is very interesting, and I really want to review it for you guys. Um, and then later on, the host of Locked on Sharks, J.D. Young, will be on to discuss the various Sharks prospects across the board, from the AHL to junior. Um, so that's going to be very interesting. Make sure to stick around to the end. Uh, but before we get into any of this, make sure to like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube and like what you're seeing. And um, if you're watch, if you're listening along on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. It's always very much appreciated. So let's get right into it with the honorable mentions. Now, uh, there are a couple guys that have scouted a lot because they play on teams that I already scout for the 2023 draft or for drafted uh, prospects already. But uh, some of these guys have only watched a couple times. So let's get right into it with these honorable mentions. We have got uh, Artyom Levchunov, a right-handed defenseman who plays in the USHL. He's a big right-handed D with a lot of offensive upside. That's going to give him a lot of value. Um, you know, at the draft table, he's kind of defensively limited. He doesn't make the best decisions when, you know, defending off the rush or when he needs to sort of evaluate his own positioning, but he's got, you know, a lot of physicality, a lot of offensive upside. I think he could be a very interesting pickup um, in the five to 10 range. Then we've got uh, Berkeley Catton of the Spokane Chiefs. He's actually second in points per game on the whole team as a 16 year old, which is very impressive, uh, even in the WHL. For me, he projects really well as a top six energy center. He's, he brings a lot of drive, a lot of an intensity to the game, which is something that a lot of teams will be looking for. Um, it's probably going to be your second light center down the road, uh, but I thought it, he definitely deserved a mention in this range. He, he's someone with a lot of offensive attributes that'll be projectable. Then we look at Henry Muse, uh, an agile right-handed defenseman of the Ottawa 67s. He's actually second among the 67s defensemen in scoring behind, behind Jack Mateer. Um, he's got great puck skills and a very polished breakout game. Um, not much outside of that, but I think those elements alone will sort of carry him to a top 10 role. Um, now we look further on at Jacob Chromiak, a smart, poised defenseman with great puck skills. Um, he does need some defensive refinement, but he does. He already has three games of pro experience under his belt in Czechia uh, this season, and he's playing pretty well for the Sudbury, Sudbury Wolves since getting transferred with seven points in 19 games, which isn't too bad at all. And then finally, a player I really don't see mentioned a lot um, at all in prospect circles, and that's Konsta Helenius. He is a right winger uh, from Finland. He's got 28 points in 19 U20 games. Um, you know, so he's playing above his age group and pr producing exceptional. He's even got two points in four uh, Finnish Liga games, so they're top pro level. So he's playing above his age and playing really well. He's got great hands, great skating. He's really good along the boards with his physical mechanics and in order to you know pry defensemen off of pucks and win board battles and stuff like that. So he's been really impressive. 
But now for the top five, I wanted to start with um, a player from the Muskegon Lumberjacks. It's Sacha Boisvert, um, uh, Trois-Rivières, Quebec native, who has applied uh, his trade in the USHL so far. He's been doing really well. Um, you know, he's a big center who doesn't exclusively rely on his size, which is always promising. I think he's got five goals and five assists in, in 13 games. So he's up there in terms of points. He's producing pretty well. He's got soft hands. He's got very smart off-puck positioning, both offensively and defensively. Uh, I think he does need to add some deception, some look-off passes and, and that kind of thing to his arsenal. But, um, you know, th- there's also the the fact that he sometimes he'll rely on the shot a lot and, and take shots from distance instead of finding better options in the offensive zone. But he projects really well because of his skill set, um, smooth hand, smooth skater, um, you know, not the, not the quickest or most agile, but, you know, it's a very fluid stride. He's also got a very mature off-puck game. So those those two elements, his skill set and his off-puck game, are probably going to carry him to a top 10 pick in the 2024 draft. Then we look at pick number four, and that's Tanner Howe of the Regina Pats. I've discussed him already on this uh, podcast. He is um, one of uh, Connor Bedard's most frequent line mates. He's got 40 points in 27 games for the Regina Pats. He's only behind Connor Bedard on his team. He's both quick physically and quick mentally. Um, so he's got a lot of pace to his to his game in terms of his agility, his top speed, all that. But he also thinks the game very quickly, which make him, makes him a great match for Bedard. Um, he's got, also got a lot of intensity to his game. I think that people are going to overestimate the effect that Bedard had on him in, in this year. And they're, you're really going to see a different player next year once Bedard is out of there and he's a main play driver because he does have very good puck skills, a lot of intelligence, a lot of pace, a lot of um, intensity and all that. So... All that combines to make a very lethal package, and I think he's definitely worth a, a top five pick. Now, for pick number three, we've got a US NTDP uh, product in Cole Eiserman. Um, he's played all over the place, both at center and wing, but I think he projects much better at center. Um, he's a sharp shooter, a very lethal scorer with good hands. Um, he's 5'11", 194 pounds, so he's already pretty stocky for his age, and it shows in his game. He's very physical. He has a mean streak to him. Um, it's just very impressive to watch him go about it. He's also pretty good defensively, understands his assignments, defends off the rush really well, back checks with effort. Um, there are so many areas of his game that are polished already that he's in contention for the, the top two, but I think he he just gets outranked by the two guys ahead of him. Uh, so at number two, we have got Aron Kiviharyu, a left-handed Finnish defenseman. Um, he's already got so much sort of hype around him and promise around him. I, I think he is a top two talent in the uh, 2024 NHL draft. Um, but there's one name ahead of him that I just can't knock off. Um, but to isolate Kiviharyu, incredibly smart. He's got a lot of offensive upside. He's got a great shot. He's got even better playmaking. All that combines extremely well to sort of create a, a, a very good package of skills um, that should make him a very solid uh, offensive defenseman at the next level. Will his defensive game translate? It's too early to tell. He's still got a lot of refinement ahead of him and defensemen tend to take more time to develop. But he's very promising in his own um, sort of offensive abilities. Uh, that's something that isn't deniable. And, you know, despite the lack of scoring right now in, in the U20 and in Liga, I mean, he's got eight points, eight assists in 10, in 10 games uh, at the U20 level. And he's got no points so far in eight games in the Liga. But um, it's just a matter of time before the production, the production translates because he's doing all the, good, the right things offensively. Then we move on to the first overall pick in the 2024 NHL draft in these early, very early rankings. It's going to be Macklin Celebrini, a center of the Chicago Steel. 
Um, he's Canadian born. To put it very simply, he's got the best hands in the draft. He's got the best shot in the draft, and he's among the best skaters in the draft. He can do pretty much everything at an elite level. And if you look at his production, he's got 13 goals and 10 assists for 23 points in 15 games for the Chicago Steel, which is a better draft minus one year point per game pace than uh, Adam Fantilli, Andrei Sveshnikov, Kyle Connor, and a lot of very, very good players. In fact, he's sixth overall in the league's history in points per game um, the year before uh, their, their draft year. So... It's just very impressive to watch him go about it. He's he's just been very very good. He he scored a between the legs goal for Team Canada in the U twenty in the U seventeen World Showcase. So, you know, he's definitely got that elite skill set, and you know, he could very well be one of the top scorers in the NHL a couple of years from now. But that's it for our first segment. Now we're going to go into my discussion with J.D. Young about the, the Sharks' various prospects. Uh, San Jose's got a very deep pool, so we've got a lot to discuss. So we'll get right into it right after these messages. Do you like betting? BetOnline.net is your number one source for any wager that interests you. From the NFL to the NBA to the MLB and even NCAA football, UFC, golf, anything you like, they have you covered. You can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game on their website or app. They're, of course, a great source for all of your sports wagering information. With live betting, so you can keep up with bets as they unfold. Uh, They've got up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. They're the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, so I'm here with uh, J.D. Young of Locked on Sharks. Uh, So let's start this off. J.D. Young, how are you doing and how are the Sharks doing, especially? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, my voice is a little raspy right now. I lost my voice. I went to the uh, the Dolphins-Niners game this weekend and uh, lost my voice. Um, so voices, you know, it's it's day-to-day right now, but we're, we're getting better. But uh, the Sharks are uh, bad to terrible. Um, so, you know, been been in, enjoying the prospect life and, and tracking all the, uh, the Sharks prospects this year. So, Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's get into it with the, uh, San Jose Barracuda. Um, now there's been a lot of hype around the prospect pool that's there. There's a lot of new guys that have come in and are kind of carrying the torch. Um, mainly there's William Eklund, Thomas Bartolo, and Tristan Robbins. Um, which one of the three has impressed you the most and why? I would say Tristan Robbins out of those three, right? Um, Bordolo and Eklund, we've seen play professional hockey of some sort, right? Eklund playing the SHL, and then he got a couple games last year with the Sharks. Bordolo made a, a big impression with the Sharks last season in the final eight games. Uh, but Robbins, I think, has kind of been the forgotten about guy of that 2020 draft class. And I know Eklund's the 2021, but of the Sharks' top prospects, he's kind of been the forgotten one. And mm-hmm. I think he's hit the ground so quickly and so smoothly with the Barracuda. That's been really impressive. Um, and it's the way he can really kind of play with his teammates. And we know Eklund and Bordelo are more about kind of thinking the game and and being distributors. I know uh, Bordelo, the he is leading the uh, leading the Barracuda in goals right now. But mm-hmm. the way Robbins is fits with those guys and the way he gets his shot off. We talked about on my podcast on how kind of special his shot could be, um, mm-hmm. just because of the way he skates and the way he's able to to get it off so quickly. But mm-hmm. playing with a guy like Eklund or playing with a guy like Bordelo, where they can find him at anywhere on the ice and then he's able to get that shot off so quickly to beat really really go- good goaltenders so far in the AHL so I think his development you know we, we saw him dominate with Saskatoon 
but now being able to do that in the AHL and hopefully soon one day in the NHL, I think his is the most surprising and kind of the, the, the biggest surprise of the early season for the, the Barracuda. Absolutely. So we've talked about, um, you know, on your podcast when I uh, when I made my appearance there, which I will be linking down below. Um, I've, uh, you know, I talked specifically about Tristan Robbins skating and how it feeds into his shot and how those two things combine together to make him just a much more lethal goal scorer than someone who just has a heavy release. Um, the way that Robbins manipulates his mechanics and adjusts his posture and his, and his skates in order to get shots off from any position um, and the wide arsenal he has of shots has really been impressive. So I definitely agree with you there in terms of Robbins being the more impressive of the three. Um, and I wanted to sort of ask you about uh, William Eklund specifically because mm -hmm. he was supposed to head into the season as almost a surefire NHLer. I mean, he, he had his appearance last season and the expectation for him this year was to see him in the NHL and, and you know, at least half the season, if not the full season. So what has made that not a reality for Eklund so far this year? I think Mike Greer and David Quinn, they, you know, with Mike Greer coming in, that was always kind of the issue with the Sharks was some, they would have to rush or rely on prospects too early uh, mm. for them to come in and, and contribute right away. And granted, the Sharks haven't had a prospect like William Eklund since I would I would assume, you know, Timo Meyer is probably the high first round pick where you could look to and be like, okay, this guy is a potential game changer. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, Mike Greer, he went out this offseason and he made it a mission to kind of fill that bottom mm -hmm. six void of uh, the Sharks where it's for the past couple of years, it's been either prospects who aren't ready or just guys who aren't kind of fit for the role and mm -hmm. making it a little bit harder for these guys to just kind of step into, into these NHL roles. And, you know, we, I had penciled in William Eklund all off season. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I thought with a year in the SHL, I know he had a, a terrible season with you garden last year, but he made the sharks last season. And it's not like this team is much more talented this year than it was yeah. last year. Um, mm -hmm. But I mean, it, it's one of those things. It's they they did that to I think to kind of protect these guys and not ask too much of them too early. And mm -hmm. I think he's had a, a a very solid start with with the Barracuda, and he's gotten to do everything. He's playing, you know, top line minutes. He's playing all situations, working on mm -hmm. his power play, working on his penalty kill. His penalty kill is amazing to watch. Just the way he's so relentless in the defensive zone of. Yeah. You know, on his forecheck, making sure making guys have to kind of pass and do things before they're ready to. Mm -hmm. And I think we we see that with with uh, Barracuda coach John McCarthy is, if you're not scoring, what else can you do for me? And mm -hmm. he's been working on that toolkit and adding those pieces so that way when he gets in the NHL and if he's not scoring right away, you're not contributing offensively. What else can you do for me? That way you're not just playing five minutes a night and then hanging out on the the either in the press box or just hanging on the bench for five minutes because you haven't rounded out those other skills. 100%. And that's the main sort of takeaway from this is Eklund's combination of uh, pace, intensity, and intelligence. Those three things for me are the pillars of any good prospect. And if you have those three things, you're usually adaptable enough that if you're placed in a situation that you're not used to, like, you know, regular penalty killing time in the AHL, it's not as big as an adjustment as it is for other prospects. So. Mm -hmm. It's been very impressive for me to watch Eklund and and see his progression defensively. Um, it's just it's very surprising, like you said. I mean, the Sharks aren't a better team this year than they were last year. Um, no, not by any wide margin, at least. <laughs> so, so it's like it's just about 
sort of tempering expectations with these prospects and accepting that sometimes the AHL is the best place for them right now. And I think that's definitely Eklund's case. Um, yeah, I mean, on, and like you can, sorry, to, you can see that with their transactions, right? I mm-hmm. mean, this today, or as you guys listen to this yesterday, mm-hmm. you know, that they, they had some injuries, Matt Nieto goes off, they bring up CJ Cease. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, like he hasn't been doing too much in the yeah. AHL, but it's just, he's one of those guys who, He's played in the NHL before. He's played in the NHL. He can, you know, kind of come in. And it's, again, you're not asking William Eklund to kind of come in and save the franchise right away. You're you're letting him kind of boil. And I think with, you'll see these guys sooner rather than later, especially as the Sharks start to kind of trade off at the deadline. And, you know, um, at some point, you're going to have to rip the Band-Aid off at, at some point with them. But, yeah, right now it's it's been preaching patience with, with the, the prospects. Hundred um, percent. So, a, a bit, you know, related to the the Eklund discussion we've been having. Um, what makes Thomas Bordalo and William Eklund different prospects? How how do they think the game differently? Yeah, I mean, with Eklund, you can see where, you know, just how how he kind of can see everything going on at once, and his shiftiness is something like we saw glimpses of it. You know, his spins, of course, his, his famous spins. He, he's a spinny boy, but. Um, <laughs> Just the way he he can turn and react and and kind of make space that way compared to yeah. Bordalo, who's a little bit more kind of north south. Uh, but he, you know, I, I still think Bordalo, his ability to kind of see the game and find open teammates, um, you know, he he can be a little bit more kind of north south with it. But Eklund, mm-hmm. I I think with his ability, like I said, his shiftiness, especially behind the net, right where he'll have a defender on him, mm-hmm. start going one way, turn the other way on a dime, and then all of a sudden the defender is basically, you know dropped his jock strap because he just can't keep up with them and then yeah. equin also knows hey i have robins you know st- streaming towards the net let me get a pass off to, to robins or finding the d-man on the point to help kind of reset the the play or you know we, we've seen that type of skill uh, of Eklund just being able to use his his creativity and then his shiftiness to to avoid defenders or make his space and while bordelo he can create space his own way again of kind of seeing where how things are going to act, react beforehand. You can kind of see that, like his ability to, to know where guys are going to be. And mm-hmm. like I said, he's a little bit more north and south with this game, which I think coaches are probably going to like more than Eklund's game. But, um, you know, his ability, we, we saw this too last year with the Sharks of, again, knowing where guys are, where he's behind the net and just finding those guys open in front uh, to create those great one, you know, great uh, chances in those high danger uh, slot areas. So, different styles of player mm-hmm. but they both kind of get to the same point just different ways yeah for, for me what it seems like is Eklund is a lot more sort of he triangulates a bit more and Bordalo mm-hmm. is more of the the you know crash and bang uh create havoc create chaos I think I think that Eklund's game is a bit more meticulous a bit more calculated mm-hmm. and it's very interesting because they both those both of those playing styles have their merits both of those playing styles have their strengths and it's going to be very interesting to watch them, you know, move up the ranks and how their development is affected by their different playing styles. Uh, but that's it for our first segment. Now we're going to go into uh, Ryan Merkley, uh, what his progression has been like, and a couple more questions right after these messages. All right, so we're back with JD Young of Locked On Sharks to discuss some Sharks prospect. Uh, now I wanted to hop into Ryan Merkley because for me he's a very interesting case study, a, a very interesting prospect. Um, heading out of junior, he had a lot of skill, a lot of you know manipulability, and a lot of pace to his game, and all that was very interesting. But for some reason, 
so far up until this weekend, there was a lot of struggle in Merkley's game. Now, what's that about? And what's the weekend been like for him? Yeah, I mean, I think going back with Merkley, right, it's for him, the offensive you know, skills there. And we, we see that all the time where he's can do things that very few players can, can do in creating offense. Um, but you know, the defense has never been his forte. We've seen him progress defensively and I think he's becoming a much better defenseman. He's never going to be like a shutdown defenseman. And that's not why you drafted Ryan Merkley, right? You didn't draft him to be, to be a, a shutdown defenseman. Um, you drafted him to help provide offense and be kind of an Eric Carlson light type of player. Right. Um, And you wonder with him, if he's one of those guys who the pandemic really kind of hurt his development, right? Mm -hmm. His first season in San Jose was the 2020 year. Right. Um, Remember San Jose was one of the strictest areas and the Barracuda and the Sharks spent the first, you know, six weeks not at home. They were, they were in Arizona. Um, you know, of course you had the zoom meetings and isolated and stuff like that. And Merkley kind of seems like one of those kind of buddy, buddy guys where he, he's kind of have, you know, likes to be around people. And you wonder if that just really kind of hurt his development type of thing. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, you know, that's just how some people are, right. They just, mm-hmm. so that's just me guessing. That's, you know, me just kind of reading the situation, right. Mm-hmm. Last year had a great start with the Barracuda, you know, started the season with the Barracuda. Um, Sharks had some injuries. They had COVID issues as well. And then Ryan Merkley had to play a lot more NHL games than I think he, or I think the, 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 the team wanted him to play. I think they wanted him to have that full year in the Barracuda to really kind of work on his defensive game. And also with Bob Bugner, um, he was very much a, I'm going to bench Ryan Merkley anytime he makes a mistake type of guys. Um, I've heard Yes, he, there was uh, a game against the Lightning where the Sharks were down like six to nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan Merkley makes a bad pinch, trying to provide some offense. Um, puck squirts by him, leads to a breakaway. Uh, Tampa scores in the game seven, nothing, and Ryan Merkley gets benched the next game. And it's like, what are you doing here, guys? Like, <laughs> you're at the, the Sharks were worst team last year offensively mm-hmm. um and he was trying to provide some offense especially with eric carlson missing a ton of time last season and yeah this year you know we see with the barracuda um he kind of a brand new team right you have new head coach new front office a lot of new pieces especially in the forward group and then the defensive group too they they went out and made sure to kind of sign some guys like Derek Pouliot, guys like that who've kind of Again, been around the system, but especially in the Ford group, you know, you have the entire 2020 draft class here. You have William Eklund. There's a lot of new pieces, and those guys are kind of still gelling and starting to figure things out. But you're seeing that with Merkley, where his big issue before was, okay, I'm going to do something really cool, and then I'm going to try to do one more thing that I probably can't get away with, but I'm going to try to do it anyway, especially in the NHL. And, you know, he would make a sweet deke on somebody, you know, going through the neutral zone on a transition and then try to, you know, kind of make another another play on the blue line and then gets the poke, uh, the puck poked away from him. And yep. you're seeing that he's he's working on that, like, okay, I, I did something cool here. Let's just leave it at that type of thing. Let me pass it to somebody else. And he's been working on that. And you're kind of seeing um, that part of his game work itself out here. And I think, too, with him, it's having the right partner, right? You're going to need somebody who's much more defensively responsible, Ryan Merkley, you go create offense, um, do fun stuff like that, and then just having a more responsible defenseman. And, you know, we're, we're seeing that kind of work out with him right now. So he's, I think he's been having a great 
kind of working towards it. This weekend, he had a nice three-point game um, for the for the Barracuda in their teddy bear toss game. Mm-hmm. But I think, again, just kind of be a little bit more patient with him. I know he's an older, a little bit older prospect. I know he's 22, and that's the the death nail for prospects, right? If you haven't made it by the NHL by 22, mm-hmm. just throw you away. You're useless. But, uh, no, he he's he's – I think for him, you have to kind of – give him a little bit more runway, especially as a defensive prospect and what's happened the last two years of him being rushed, maybe a little bit too soon. And now he's kind of finding his footing right now. So, Yeah, no, absolutely. And what I find interesting in Merkley's game is first, you know, defensemen tend to take a bit more time uh, to develop. It, it does take a lot of time to figure out the defensive game at the NHL level and understand mm-hmm. how to deal with the pace of play at that, at that level. But what I really like about Merkley is just still experimenting, is still trying new things. And experimentation is the best way to develop new skills, in my opinion. So it's it's definitely a, a promising part of his game. Uh, I'm not sure how he pans out at the end of the day, but the, if he keeps up, you know, trying new things, experimenting, learning by trial and error, I think he'll be fine. Yeah, I think if we, we kind of set the expectations as if he's a solid second pair defenseman, who can run your power play too, especially if you have Eric Carlson. Um, mm-hmm. If that's kind of your expectation for him, instead of being this kind of, again, Eric Carlson light type of player, mm-hmm. I think you're you're going to be ha- happy with him. I think right now it's just kind of managing expectations with him. For sure. Uh, so moving on to this next question, I asked this for any of our squad casts, any of, you know, um, guests from from different teams, uh, podcasts, I always ask this, which is, what is the biggest need in the prospect pool? And you tell me that and I'll tell you who would be the best fit. I think the Sharks kind of have two, right? They, they've spent a lot of time, especially the last couple of drafts, focusing on that forward. And you've seen they have a lot of promising pieces, but they still don't have that like one kind of game-changing, game-breaking type of player who could potentially be a 40-goal scorer. So I know, I mean, believe me, I I have Fantilli or Bedard, like one of those guys I would love, but the Sharks are probably still going to be in that kind of five, six, seven range. So give me somebody good there. (laughs) Five, six, seven, a good score. Um, I don't know about 40 goals, but I think Edward Chalet would probably be a a very, very good complementary top-line player. Um, who's going to bring a lot of energy, a lot of intelligence, uh, puck skills, all that good stuff. If you're looking at centers, maybe Zach Benson would be an option. He doesn't have the the, the, the 30 or 40 goal upside, but his playmaking is outstanding. Mm-hmm. And he would, he would probably be the, the Sharks' best uh, prospect from one day to the other. And that's saying something given how high I am on William Eklund. In his draft year, he was my first overall pick. So that gives an idea of, of how high I am on Eklund. And, and when I talk about Zach Benson like that, it's, it's saying something. Um, later, you know, lower down, you, you'll find the, the 30 to 40 goal wingers more in the 10 to 20 range in terms mm-hmm. of upside. They're just a lot more risky and a lot more sort of, they're more specialists than anything yep. else. Like uh, Colby Barlow, Casper Haltonen, um, you know, Matthew Wood would be an option. I'd even say, you know, if you really want, you know, a 30 to 40 goal scorer and you're picking five to 10, Braden Yeager would be a great option. He's a center, but he can definitely, he could definitely score 35 to 40 goals. So that's one guy I would, you know, out of all the guys I mentioned, I think the best fit for the Sharks, given what they need in terms of goal scoring, would be Braden Yeager. Yeah, um, that makes a lot of sense for them, right? You know, they've they've done. You have Eklund, you have Bortolo. Those are gonna be your kind of playmaker guys. Mm-hmm. You need some guys who can finish. And I, they, you know, they drafted Daniel Gushin, and he's starting to come into his own with the Barracuda. But I mean, we we see in the NHL nowadays, it's 
how many goals can you score? Um, you know, yeah. you can play great defense and, and stuff, but at some point you still have to put the puck in the net and yeah. having as many of those guys as possible um, would be great. I'm going to ask, try to get a second, second mm -hmm. one. The Sharks need a, a, a blue chip defensive prospect. I know this draft is not probably the greatest for that, but if the, mm -hmm. the Sharks are probably going to be, you know, picking high in the second round, or if not getting a late first round pick at the trade deadline, mm -hmm. you got somebody for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I talked about it in the first segment of this very show. This is the draft for to the 2024 draft is the draft for defensemen. There are easily four or five of them that could go in the top 10, which have a lot of value, especially as right-handed blue liners. But if we're talking 2023, the two I'd look at if I'm the Sharks are either Caden Price um, of the Kelowna Rockets or Lukas Drogosevic of the Tri-City Americans, both in the WHL. In Price, you've got a very, very intelligent defender mm -hmm. who is kind of average or above average at best across all puck skills boards in terms of shooting, passing, sick handling, even defending. Um, and in Lukas Drogosevic, you've got an outstanding stick handler, you know, a, an offensive dynamo, but who still has some refinement to do both in his own zone and in terms of decision making. Because sometimes, you know, there are games where he looks like a blue chip top 10 prospect and there are other games where he doesn't look like a first rounder. So that's the difference between those two guys. I think developing consistency with Drogosevic would be easier um, in terms of getting a top pair defender uh, versus Caden Price, who has a very high ceiling given his intelligence. But um, first, he's left handed. Uh, which does offer less value at the draft table, so he could slip into the 20s. Um, but on top of that, the puck skills aren't refined. It's just this, the brain is there with with Price. Currently, I'm higher on Price than Dragicevic, but in terms of fit for what the Sharks are looking for, I think Dragicevic would be a better fit. Perfect. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, now, moving on, I want to finish this up with one last question for you. Who's your favorite non-professional prospect so outside of the NHL and AHL? Yeah, I mean, Eklund's my favorite prospect. I've been very much on the you know, manifested Eklund to uh, <laughs> San Jose. Save the yeah. franchise, as some people mm -hmm. would say. Um, but can't pick him. So um, <laughs> two guys I really like. Cam Lund, uh, who's having a great season over in uh, Northeastern. Um, really tore it up in the prospect. Uh, you know, one of those guys I think he can shoot. Uh, we, we saw that, especially on the prospect, uh, the scrimmage. Just got selected for the Team USA camp, so excited to kind of see his progression um, yeah. this season. Hopefully, he makes Team USA. We can get to kind of get a taste of him at the World Juniors playing some some quality hockey. And then uh, Matthias Havlid, who we have not gotten a chance to really watch this year for um, Linko Ping, uh, which I screwed up their name. I always screw up their <laughs> announcement, but it's okay. Um, he's been dealing with a back injury, but... I think he's one of those guys where in a couple of years when he makes the jump, I think he's going to, you're going to see him quickly play in the NHL just because I think he's a, such a smooth uh, defenseman. His, you know, his skating, not just like up and down or east, north and south, but east and west as well as how is, I think he's going to quickly come in and just, again, kind of be one of those second pair defenseman guys who are just going to, you know, play 20, 25 minutes a night and you're not going to have to worry about him. So I'm really excited for him. Can't wait to see him, his progression and hopefully him get healthy here soon. So, Oh yeah. hundred percent. Um, Havlid is a, is a favorite of mine as well. That's going to be it for, it for today's episode. Thank you very much for, for watching. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you for listening. If uh, you're listening to us on one of your favorite podcasting platforms, um, JD, just remind the people where they can find you in your podcast. 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter making terrible jokes and hoping Aaron Judge signs any day now at my fry hole. You can also find uh, the show wherever you get podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Odyssey, all those places on YouTube as well at Locked on Sharks and on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Locked on Sharks as well. Perfect. Yeah. And same for us. We're on YouTube, Spotify, Odyssey, Apple Podcasts, everywhere. Um, on Twitter, you can find us at LO underscore NHL prospects. And you can find me personally at Hattie K underscore scouting. Uh, if you want to be part of our mailbags and, you know, ask me some questions that I can feature on the show, you can find me there. Uh, I post weekly about that. But this has been Locked on NHL Prospects with Hattie Kalakesh and JD Young. And I hope you tune in next time.